40 episodes of the Kerrville podcast here. Uh, John, did you ever think we'd get 40 episodes in no. on the Kerrville podcast when we started this thing? I didn't. I didn't. It, it's It's been growing, and uh, it, it's very exciting. It is. It, it is extremely exciting, and uh, it just gets better and better every week. Our guest today is uh, Mr. Harold Danford, uh, thedwiguy.com. And uh, Mr. Danford, you have been an attorney for uh, many years now. Almost 30. Almost 30 years. Almost 30. So how long of, of that uh, have you been a defense attorney? Probably 23 years, I guess. 24, 20, something like that. 23 years as a defense attorney. I'm sure you've seen some stuff over the years. Awesome. You can't imagine <laughs> the things I've seen. I so, can tell you some stories that uh, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. bet. Yeah. All right, John, you want to go ahead and kick this off? Yes. Uh, Mr. Danford, I didn't know you were our former prosecutor. Yeah, when I first got out of law school, I wanted to be an oil and gas lawyer, so I moved to West Texas, where I was from, worked at a law firm, and had to go to small towns, and when you went to the small towns, it would indev- it would always happen that someone would come grab you and say, hey, the judge needs you upstairs, and I'd go upstairs, like, what do you need me for? And they said, we, we need you to, de- to defend this guy, and I'm like, well, I don't do that, I do oil and gas, and they go, you don't have a choice, you know, we don't have any lawyers, you're here, you're going to do it. So I started doing that, and I liked it a whole lot. So I said, well, I guess the best way to defend these people was probably be learn how to be a prosecutor first and learn the insides out that way, know all the tricks that they use so you could be a better defense lawyer. So that's how I ended up in Kerrville as I came here as a prosecutor. Most defense lawyers only have been on the defense side? Uh, it, it varies, but uh, I'd say that's probably probably accurate. Yeah. So you have a one-up on these guys. Because you've been in both worlds. I've been in both worlds. I was a uh, prosecutor here in Kerrville at the county attorney's office where I prosecuted DWIs. And then I was director of the DWI program for the state of Texas where I supervised the whole state on DWI prosecutions. Wow. So so you really know, like, the, the ins and outs. On well, a, I mean, you, and, and to, be, to be able to defend something like that, you have to know what, how the other side works, I guess. It's better if you do know how the other side works, and so yeah, I yeah. think it's the best all-around way to get to where you want to be. So. That's that's awesome. Um, so you were a prosecutor in Kerrville, and then what? When did you decide to become a defense attorney after you were a prosecutor? Well, I was a prosecutor here for three years, and then um, I had the opportunity to go to work for the FBI or the Department of Public Safety, and so uh, FBI wanted to send me to. Want to go to school, and then I had to either go to New York or Puerto Rico, and DPS only had to go to Austin. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so yeah, so I chose DPS, and I went there and was like I say, director of hearings for the DWI programs for the state of Texas for about uh, three years, and then I decided, you know, we loved Kerrville so much, we decided to come back here, and that's when I opened up my own office. It really is a, a great town. It is a great it, place it to is. raise a family. It is a great place. It's it's kind of like a bubble here. Uh, and yes. that's how I compare it to other parts of the world. You know, I've been many places, and I've never seen a place that's like this area. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, I, I call it the, the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like we have some kind of bubble that, that protects us from the, the outside <laughs> side world, good. in a sense. That's a good way to look at it. A lot of things have been happening here, though, lately. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it has been has been pretty rough here lately. John? Um, yeah, my next question, because I was thinking about Kerrville being a bubble, and, you know, it's a small community, and how is it difficult 
it's a difficult dealing with these cases and then going back out in public and and seeing you know who you were for who you were against and well as a, as a defense lawyer i think it's always uh difficult dealing with cases and living in the community where you live mm-hmm. uh because uh i think to be a good defense lawyer you got to really care you got you got to care about the people you represent and, and i see a lot of lawyers who don't do that they just you know go about the practice but they don't really focus on um you know all the people that are in trouble with the law usually uh need someone to talk to they need someone who'll listen and i think a lot of lawyers don't listen to their clients they you know they come in they get the money and and do what they need to do but i think the good ones listen so yeah it's difficult because you get involved with the families you know you you see the good the bad and the ugly and you know and there's usually something going on with all these people that you know let them to the point where they're where they're in trouble with the law mm-hmm. so and you do you do listen and you are there for your clients because I was at one point one of your clients and um, I, I wanted everybody to know this because I'm truly passionate about the subject and I'm glad you're in here because, you know, I'm coming up on five years, no beers. And uh, when I was drinking and I did get a DWI um, and I went into, you know, the front office and Mr. Danford wasn't, you know, oh, hey, I'll see you at the case. I'll see you at the, you know, the hearing or whatever. Come, come, come inside, man. We sat there. We talked. He, he, first thing he asked me was, how are you? How are you doing? What's going on? And he was truly concerned about my well-being. And even afterwards, he would call me up. Hey, how you doing? I wanted to see how you were. Um, and, you know, I won't get too much into the the case, but I didn't expect that. And I think that's what truly separates you from, from the rest of the guys. Well, when, you, when you're dealing with... Um DWI cases, um, and you're dealing with someone, usually, you know, if they've had multiple DWIs, there's probably an underlying, you know, drinking problem mm-hmm. or problems at home or something that led them to this situation. And so, you know, we, you know, we're attorneys, but we also have that attorney and counselor at law and whatever really counselor at law means. But I think it means that you have to, you know, get involved. I like, you know, people, you know, I like customers. I like making a living. But, you know, I'm not in the business to have repeat customers. You know what I mean? I like, you know, everybody makes a mistake. Let's, you know, learn from that mistake and move on. And that's kind of what I try to, you know, teach people that come through the door. Uh, What what do you do when you when you have your repeat customers and how hard is it to 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 be tough with them and say, look, you're going to mess your life up. You you know, you're on your second one coming up on your third one. That's one of the conversations that we always have right off the front is like, look, Hey, you know, you you screwed up. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, maybe they didn't screw up. They, you know, they were arrested, you know, wrongfully or something, but most of the time, you know, they're there because, you know, law enforcement were doing their job. And so I, you know, we try to take that person from the mistake that they made and say, look, you know, everybody makes, especially younger, younger clients, everybody makes a mistake. The most important thing is, you know, we get you through this, we get you where it doesn't affect you for the rest of your life, but you learn from that. So you're not back here again. But when you get the people that keep coming back over and over again, there's some point, um, you know, they're going to need your help, but there's at some point where, you know, there's got to be an intervention or something's got to happen to, to mm-hmm. break the cycle. Um, are you allowed to talk about expungements? Yes, we can talk about okay. expungements. Um, that is the majority of the way you changed my life was an expungement. I, I had something haunting me everywhere I went. 
and, and um, it, now it's like it never happened. And uh, I wanted to thank you for that. All right. Well, let's let's explain what an expungement is, so the listeners will know. Okay. An expungement is when you uh, when you have a case that either was dismissed or you uh, won a jury trial, and you got to meet certain requirements. But mm-hmm. you know, once you get arrested, that criminal that record stays on there. Even the case gets dismissed, it's going to stay on your record for the rest of your life, unless you get what's called an expungement. And an expungement is a legal process where you go by and you have that record removed. So once someone Googles or, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry looks on the Internet, it doesn't pop up. Right, right. And so an expungement is a process where you have that removed from your record. And like I say, if you, if you got the – if the case was dismissed or uh, – and it was dismissed because you were wrongfully arrested or there was a lack of probable cause or you successfully completed a pretrial diversion program or you had a jury trial in one – then you're uh, entitled to an expungement to have that uh, record removed. And uh, since we're on the topic of expungement, there's a um, there's a great case that we handled here in Kerrville that changed the law in the state of Texas. It just was recently handed down by the Supreme Court of the state of Texas. Now, is this the one that you argued in, in January? That's correct. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Wow. That's in- incredible. And it, and it changed the law dealing with misdemeanor expungements. You used to couldn't. Uh, let's just say if you were arrested for two misdemeanors and one was a good case and one was a bad case and one got dismissed, but you got convicted on the other one, the law was you couldn't get the bad one expunged because you got probation or you plat out on the other one. And uh, we got that law changed through uh, through that case that started here in Kirk County with a Shriner College student who uh, was wrongfully arrested for, for two misdemeanors. And they said, well, since you... Got a deferred adjudication on this one, and this one, even though it was wrong, a wrongful arrest, you can't get an expungement on that because this one was good. And and that's uh, just the charge, right? Correct. But, yeah. But but we Not got a the conviction. Law. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. we got the law changed in the state of Texas, so that was a that was a landmark case came right out of Kerrville, Texas. Wow. And you're not so, a stranger to landmark cases. I've had a few. Yeah, I've had a few. Uh, one I. The Twisted Sisters. Twisted Sisters, yes. I you, was were, on. you were on the ID channel. You still are on the ID channel. <laughs> I still am on the yeah. ID channel. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy case here in Kerrville where one sister stabbed another sister. It's all public record now. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they it ended up on the ID channel on the Twisted Sisters series. And that's but, a, a terrible situation, too. That, that happened in, I believe, 2001. Yeah, it was a terrible situation. Yeah. Yeah, my, my wife was actually in school across the street uh, when that was the Wilson. middle school. Yeah. 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 Happened right right in front of the 720 Club. Oh, I know where that is. Just just a block and a half of my office. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and I, you know, I, I'd never known that until just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm like, look at this. You know, we're watching this, watching this TV show. And the next thing I know, yeah. Harold Danford pops up <laughs> on there. Yeah. It was really cool to see, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Kerrville Police Officer, Paul Gonzalez, Gonzalez was on there too. And I, I yeah, so I went up to him at the the gala at the Hill Country Youth Event Center, and I'm like, hey man, I just wanted to shake your hand. I saw you on TV, <laughs> <laughs> starstruck, huh? Yeah. And then uh, Irene Van Winkle was on there yeah. quite a few times talking about it too. And I yeah. love Irene. Yeah. There was some um, there was some really um, crazy crazy stuff about that case that didn't really uh, make the show, but um, the lady who was charged. Um, she had some um, severe mental illnesses, I guess. And one of the things she claimed that she was a dimension walker. 
dimension walker a dimension walker and she said there was she had seven different dimensions that she could be in and even though she was in the kirk county jail you know that was just one dimension of her she could leave and that dimension would stay there but she had seven other dimensions that would could go somewhere else and what and i'll I'll end this up real fast but what's crazy is she would write she thought she was a spiritual advisor to to president bush i remember seeing that yeah and and to uh clinton and she would write them letters over and over and over again and so the jail would call me and say, hey, can you come get these letters? Because we really don't want to be mailing them to the president, you know? Right, right. And I said, sure, I'll come get them. So I would get them, and I'd put them in my office. And you know those brown, expandable yeah, yeah, the file, file folders? Yeah. Well, you know, they make those in different colors. But there's like kind of a reddish, maroonish, uh, blue, and, you know, brown, green, whatever. So I had a blue one, which you don't see blue ones a whole lot. And I put that thing on my shelf. So one day the jail administrator called me and said, hey, you need to get out of here. This lady's mad. And so I go out there and I say, what's wrong? She goes, you're not mailing my letters to the president. And I'm like, why not? I said, what What? What makes you think that? She goes, because you're in that blue expandable folder in your office. Whoa. <laughs> and I was like. That is incredible. Oh, yeah, left it me is. kind of shell-shocked. But at the end, though, she said I was that when the case was completed, uh, there were there was actually myself, uh, Steve Pickell, and Clay Stebbin worked on that case together. And uh, at the end of the case, she said, uh, "Mr. Danford, you're going to be seated at the right hand of God." So I think I came out of that. Hey, way. there you yeah, go. Right. Hey, hey, you got her endorsement. It sounds yeah. like so, so that's that's good. Yeah. Maybe schizophrenia, maybe. Uh, she she had lots of things going on. Yeah, right? she she had some yeah, yeah some you know based off of what I saw on the TV show she she had some stuff going on and it's a sad thing you know nobody nobody likes to to see somebody with mental illness or anything like that, right. that you know yeah. and uh, it, yeah it's just that that whole case was just a terrible case all the way around but it was cool to see Harold Danford on TV yeah. I will say that you know well thanks and, yeah. um, we've had some really big cases happen in the country recently too and. Uh, you know the the Rittenhouse case. Yeah. yeah, that was really popular on you know on on television. And, I don't know if you'll watch that, but yeah. uh, you know, I, from my perspective as a lawyer and what I you know I didn't watch 100 percent of it, but what I saw on TV, I think the jury got it 100 percent right. Me too. I there were that, some videos that came out on that last year, and it it actually has the timeline and it, it's video. I mean, you can't. Yeah. I mean. It, and they weren't edited videos. It was a like full videos that actually showed what happened. And I mean, you know, no bias here either way. But when you look at the the proof, I mean, the only to me the only way that he would get a conviction of any kind on this would be out of emotional, yeah. uh, an emotional decision by the jury. Have you ever seen an emotional decision by well, a jury? I have, I have, but you know those jurors were under a lot of pressure. You know they had, yeah. they had, yes, they were. You know they had people following them when they left every day. They had people in the courtroom who were trying to sway their, you know, just by their presence, trying to sway. You their had a prosecutor pointing guns at people. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, that was ridiculous. The first rule is always treat a gun like it's loaded. And never point to something you're not willing to destroy. You know. Well, you know, going back to the to the case we were talking about just a second ago, uh, you know, and defense lawyers prosecutors we all you know have little things that we do in the courtroom to try to, to try to get one over on the other side to try to make our case better or whatever in the the case with the twisted sister she had stabbed her sister right yeah and so the prosecutor would sit the knife the defendant was sitting right next to me uh right next to the jury and the prosecutor would always sit the knife right there between the defendant and the jury 
And every time the prosecutor would sit the knife down, of course, the jurors would all move back about three feet. Well, he was like a know, psychological he trying to judge. Okay, we know what he's doing. Put the knife over there somewhere. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it is it, yeah. it is a sense of uh, when you're in a courtroom and you're arguing a case, and you have somebody arguing the other, you know, side of the, it, yeah. it is it does become kind of like a battle, I guess. It's a chess game. Sense. It it's is a, a chess game. It's a yeah. Chess game. Yeah. Now, now, I'm not asking you personally, but uh, in in a court of law, when you get into that chess game, do, do emotions ever play a part in that? Do do sure. Yeah. I mean, does it does it turn into so, sometimes? It, I guess some, a sense of competition. Well, sometimes it does, and that's usually when it's not good. Um, you know, some defense lawyers and some prosecutors, it's a win at all costs kind of deal. You know, they take the case, they take the thing personal, and uh, you know the facts are the facts. You know, you, lawyers, you know they they can be good. You know, they can be good presenters. They can be good on the rules. They can be good on this. They can be good on that. But when you all boil it down to it, it's like. Good facts make good lawyers. Bad facts make bad lawyers. Mm. Yeah, basically. I mean, you can't stretch anything too far. That's right? that's that's correct. But you know, sometimes people, you know, sometimes not only prosecutors and defense lawyers they they, they take it personal, and they do kind of get a little personal attacks on each other, which is not good, not good for the client or the system. When the average person person watches a, a trial like this on TV. They, they see these prosecutors and defense attorneys and they romanticize, you know, like the trade and the actual, you know, the job. And do you ever see when when a big when a big case like this happens and it's uh, on TV, an influx of people trying to, you know, go through schooling to become an attorney? Uh, sometimes I, I do see that, you know, and uh, it, it's cr it's crazy. And you, you probably wouldn't believe this, but uh I think we need more lawyers. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, more, I think we need more lawyers in the criminal defense field. Let's put it that way. Because if you go, like, uh, if you go to Mason, Menard, Brady, Junction, uh, you know, I go out in West Texas a lot, and there's not any, there's not any. There was, like public there, defenders or there's not any lawyers? lawyers. In there's not any lawyers. I was in Ozona just uh, on Tuesday of last week, and I was talking to the county attorney, the prosecutor there, and I'm like, do y'all have any defense lawyers in Arizona? No, no, we don't have any lawyers. We got to, we got to try to get somebody nope. to come from San Angelo. Or, oh man, you talk about or, you, you know, know chart or costs going up, yeah. because of that too, travel expenses. Yeah, and so I was in Big Spring, Texas, which is a about the same size as uh, Kerrville, and the judge was like, and that's my hometown, and the judge was asking me, he said, would you ever consider moving back here? And I'm like, well, I really like Kerrville, so probably not. And he goes, we don't have any lawyers. So if we want to appoint a lawyer or, or or whatever, even if someone wants to hire one, they you know on a criminal defense case, they got to go to Midland, Odessa, San Angelo, Lubbock, Abilene, wow. somewhere. You know? so, so so with that being said, you know um, you have to go through several years of school. Is it eight years total? It's seven. You have it's to have an undergraduate years. degree and then three years of law school. Do you think that that is too? Do you think that they should lower that at all? Good I question. I mean, do you think man. that 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 is too much school, or do you think that? Uh, of course, when I was in law school, I would say it was too much school, but now I think it's not too much school. I think you need to learn everything you need to know before you get out there. So. You ever see people come out and they're not ready? Oh, good one. Uh, yeah. yes, I, you know, and um, 
you know, it's a, it's kind of, you know, I think the best lawyers probably learned from someone else. So, uh, but yeah, when you come out of law school, you're probably not ready. You're not ready to just dive into, to whatever, you know, you, you need some, you need some experience behind you before you really get into it. I, I would think it's such a hard profession because, you know, the stigma um, around attorneys and, and, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, we're, what we refer to as bottom dwellers, you know, or ambulance chasers, whatever, you know, but, uh, I've been called that too doing news, but <laughs> I don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Or vultures. I've been yeah, called a vulture, vulture before. Bottom yeah. feeders, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you, when, from my point of view, when I when I did go into the court, it was a scary, scary thing, and and uh, you were there next to me. Yeah, you know, and what, the one thing with being an attorney um, that that's hard for I think from from people on the other side is, you know, when you go in and you pay somebody for for a service, you know, like if you pay somebody to build a house, you get a house. You know, you pay. Yeah. The, you know, with lawyer, there's no physical product that you really see, you know, it's not like, tangible. Yeah. It's not tangible. And so what they don't realize is you're paying, you know, for what they know, who they know, their experience. Um, there's a lot of, you know, training and what people don't realize, you know, we're up at midnight, you know, reading, trying to figure out, you know, what we can do to make this better. And the everyday person doesn't realize, you know, it's not just eight to five, you know, we're you know, eight to midnight most of the time, mm. you know, trying to figure out who, what, where, when, and why. So we're one step ahead of the other side. So, but, but there's no, people don't understand. Well, you, you haven't done anything on my case. Well, it's like, I haven't done anything that you can see. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. For so, you know, I didn't build you a big house over here that you can see, but you don't realize what, you know, what all went in behind that to get to where we are today. So, but, that's one thing we do as I try to educate them on, okay, here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to get there. And here's what it's going to take. So. Are there any, Oh, go ahead, Mike. Have you ever had any, any, I'm, I'm going to ask you both sides of this question. Have you ever had any big win? Uh, I mean, I know you've had big wins in court. What was the feeling like when you ha- have you ever had a case that didn't feel like you were going to win it? And then you ended up winning the case. And what was that feeling like? Well, I'll start, I'll start this way. I have never tried a case that I thought the person was completely innocent where a jury found him guilty, okay? Now, I've tried some cases where I've thought the guy probably was guilty, but the state just didn't prove it, and they were found innocent. But I've never had a case where I thought a guy was completely innocent, we had a jury trial, and he was found guilty. Mm, Wow. Okay? So I think the system works pretty good. I think the system works pretty good. Now, I've, like I say, I've, I, I tried one um, case. It was like last year or the year before, uh, which was a really big murder case from out in West Texas. And the jury found the guy um, guilty, but it was a really close call. But I didn't really think that personally that, that the state had the evidence to prove him guilty. Now, whether he was guilty or not guilty is a different story, but I just didn't think this. And the jury found him guilty. Mm. Does, does that what was that like personally for yeah you? that's what that I wears doing. on you that wears on you you know you go home at night and you think well did i do everything i could have oh or, i bet or did yeah. i start the replay or, tape yeah. yeah or did i screw something up or maybe i should have done this different or that different but uh you know and those are tough and those are few and far between but but that was a tough one mm. it was a really tough one 
you don't think about that. You don't think about what goes on behind the scenes, behind closed doors after, you know, after it's all done. And a lot of people, you know, this is your profession. Uh, this, this is your business, but this is also your life. Yeah. I mean, you've dedicated your life to this. Yeah. You know, it's pretty so, much a 24 I mean, hour around the clock deal. Yeah. Anytime I hear the word Harold Danford, the only thing I think of is attorney. I mean, I, and I know there are many other aspects to your life. There's a lot, but yeah. You know, but I always hear, you know, I, I think attorney, I mean, you've, you've put your whole life into this just like any other, any other career or out there. So, I mean, I'm sure you carry it with you all the, you know, the good and the bad. Yeah. The good and the bad. Yeah. The good D- and the does bad. It, it wears on you. Um, so when you first started and you made your decision to, to, to go to school, to do what you do, um, what did you have in mind and what actually happened? What was the difference? Well, I'm a, from where I started to where I am now, it's a 180, I would say. Like I said, um, I grew up in West Texas and, um, you know, and I was actually, I was actually a golf professional before I was a lawyer. Oh, wow. really? <laughs> I went, to, went to college on a golf scholarship and I was working as, as at a country club as a golf professional. And, um, this lawyer came in every day and he would say, man, you need to go to law school. You need to go to law school. But he never told me why I needed to go to law school. He just said, you need to go to law school. Further thing from my mind. And so, um, I figured, you know, this golf thing wasn't going to be the best thing for the rest of my life. So I got a job at a law firm, um, just working as a clerk for about a year to see what it was all about. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So studied, got into law school. Uh, when I was in law school, thought, I, like I said, I thought I wanted to be an oil gas lawyer. Um, Judge Barton, who's from Kerrville, was one of the yeah. professors at St. Mary's. Oh, and wow. So I met, I met Judge Barton and, uh, he had a trial advocacy class and some other things. And, um, uh, I told him, I said, Judge, I don't, I don't want to be in the courtroom. I, I, I just want to be an oil and gas lawyer. I don't need all this courtroom training stuff that you're going through. He said, Well, it comes in handy. You know, you never know when it's going to, you know, you need it. I'm like, Okay. So did it. Went out to West Texas. Like I say, worked in an oil and gas law firm. Hated it. You know, when mm-hmm. I actually got there, hated it. And I was being appointed on these criminal cases. And like you say, you know, do you know what to do when you get out of law school? Well, you know, you were allowed out of law school and you never had a criminal case before and the judge appointing you on some complicated criminal case and you, you're really going to have to hit the books and read everything you can to figure out who, what, where, when, and why. And I was like, hey, I kind of like this. And I said, the only way to learn this stuff is to be a prosecutor. And that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And I got to Kerrville because of Judge Barton. There was an opening at the prosecutor's office and I called him and I said, hey, do you know anybody there? And, uh, he goes, yeah, and I got an interview, and then that's how I ended up in Kerrville, and that, you know, that's where I still. And what am. year was that? That nineteen ninety two. Nineteen ninety two. Do yeah. you ever see your profession taking a different direction? Are you are you ha- happy where you're? No, at? no, I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm I like it, and I think if you do something that you you know everybody always you always hear that find something that you like and you'll be good at it. Yeah. Well, I like doing this, so. Well, you're great at it. I like doing it, so I'm going to be here for a while. I don't plan on going. You know, I've had the, I've had, I ran for judge once, and then people were asking me to run for judge again when, um, I guess the 198 district judge Rex Emerson is going to retire, and there were some, you know, people coming saying, "Do you want to be judge? Do you want to be judge?" And I had to think about it a long time, and I said, "You know, I really like what I'm doing, so no, I don't want to run for judge." Really? Now you yeah. are the municipal judge, the municipal in court judge in Ingram, but that's a half a day, one day a month. 
So that oh, really? That's, yeah. Yeah. that's not <laughs> half a day, one day a month. So. Man. That, that's I was thinking something. it was going to be like weekly or something. No, you know, it's, like it's one Tuesday day, nights or whatever. It's yeah. one day a month, uh, half a day. So it's, okay. Uh, it doesn't take up a whole lot of time. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I bet, yeah. It's yeah. interesting, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I've learned a lot today. That, I have too. Really, we're we're honored to have you. Well, on. I'm honored to be here. Anybody that wants to uh, go into the profession of being an attorney, uh, what advice would you have for them? Go talk to someone who's a who is an attorney. Okay, uh, ask them whatever you want to ask them. And I would talk to more than you know. There's different kinds of attorneys. Uh, uh, there's civil lawyers, there's family lawyers, there's personal injury lawyers, there's criminal defense lawyers, there's corporate lawyers, there's you know all kind of lawyers. I would just, uh, whatever you think you're interested in, go talk to someone who does that and see if they'll let you tag along. You know, I, I have I have students from Shiner College who come and volunteer at the office and, and usually end up getting paid because they do a good job, but but just see what it's like and then, um, you know, do your do your research and talk to people and you know, go to the courthouse and look around and see what's going on. And, and uh, you know, most lawyers, believe it or not, tell people, oh, you, you don't want to be a lawyer. Go do something else. Well, they must not like what they're doing. But if you Ooh, can. Ooh, that's a good point. If, yeah. if you come to me and you say, I want to be a lawyer, I'll I, I'll tell you, the, you know, what's good about it. Okay. And that's the so, Dan for difference. And so, um, are, man. are you happy? Are you? Yes, sir. I'm happy. Yeah, being a, yeah. being a lawyer makes you happy. It makes me happy. I like helping people. So yes, good, yeah. good. So that, I like it. That's the question I need to start asking everybody: Is are you happy? You know? Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because there there might be a kid listening to this. You know, I want to yeah. be an attorney. I want to be a lawyer someday. And... Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, well, we're at the thirty minute mark here on the podcast, uh, Mr. Danford. Anything else you want to talk about while you're here? While we have you on here? No, I just, you know, I think the Rittenhouse deal was good, and I don't know about Ahmaud Arbery. We'll hear any day now about that, and I think the jury will probably get it right there, and I just hope everybody respects what the juries do, and and uh, no rioting. It's not easy to be a juror, is it? It's not. It's not. I've always wanted to be a juror. <laughs> I've had jury duty a few times, but as lawyers, you always get, you know, they're the first you ones to yeah. kick you out. Mm. But, uh, but. So, but, but no, it's not an easy job, but you know, Abraham Lincoln said it's the next second highest job as being American. The first one would be serving in the military. The second one would be being on a jury. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Big shout yeah. out to everybody that, that, you know, has had to be a part of a jury. And- you know, and there was an article in the newspaper down speaking on that topic. Uh, the judges wrote a letter to the editor today in the Kerrville daily times about, here lately only 20 percent of the people who have been asked to show up for jury service are showing up only 20 percent really our system doesn't work unless we all show up i yeah. thought that was a, I thought a that was crime like a, yeah thousand dollar fine or whatever well they can find you the judge they can issue they can issue a they can issue they can actually issue a summons have you brought up to court and find and that's probably what they're going to you know they, i don't think the judges really want to do that but yeah i think that's probably what they're going to start you know i'm just reading between the lines but i think that's what they're going to start doing if people don't start showing up because the system doesn't i mean that's what our you know founding father says the letter right to yeah. letter. that's what our country was all about mm-hmm. jury of your peers yeah. yeah jury of your peers and so uh you know even though it's you know you may have something better to do it's uh you know it's it's a civic duty that 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 we should take to heart so i got called out one time and but i knew the guy and you know they say if you know him you raise your hand and I, yeah. I'm like, man 
I wanted to. So, but. All right. Well, uh, that's I guess that's going to do it for episode number 40. The DWIGuy.com is uh, Mr. Danford's website address, and you can always give him a call at 830-257-4045. I think I've said that a few times. <laughs> got it memorized yeah absolutely so uh yeah uh if you have any other questions for uh harold danford or you want any information uh from him you know just uh let them know give them a call 830-257-4045 or you can send them a message right through the dwiguy.com uh big shout out to jam broadcasting for letting us use uh the mike fm studio every week for the curveball podcast and you can get this on itunes google play spotify facebook youtube and now spotify video everywhere as well so uh we have one more podcast this year and that's going to be the mayor of kerrville mr bill blackburn next tuesday and then that's going to go ahead and do it for this season of podcast even though we're not starting the number episode number over again next season but it will be season three when we kick it back off next year and so uh thank you so much mr dan for really welcome, do appreciate yes. you and thank you for everything you do for the community thanks